Welcome to the Insights Podcast by UNSW Law Society. For this episode, we chat with the presidents of the society, Christina Ianko and Harry Zhang, about their roles and how to make the most out of your law school experience. I'd like to begin this episode by acknowledging the Gadigal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, and to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. So thank you, Christina and Harry, for joining us today. Um, all right, so we'll start off with a quick introduction, and here's a question to see how well you know your co-president. Um, are they an outdoors or an indoors person based on what you know about their hobbies? Christina, do you want to start off first? I'll start off. So Harry likes dancing and networking. <laughs> That's the extent of my knowledge of Harry. I'll have a guess that you're more of an indoors person. Because I haven't really heard you speaking about like hikes or like coastal walks. I don't think you're a big fan of the beach. Uh, you're so. right in saying that I'm not a big fan of the beach, but I do actually like a good hike. Okay, um, I used to be do. in cadets. Yeah. My family actually goes hiking once a month okay. to the Blue Mountains, a couple of bushwalks here and there. Um, but you're right. I much prefer being called up. In I know, Harry. And Christina, you're 100%, I think, an outdoorsy person. Um, you like... I guess you're in space, but you do need the sunshine. Yeah. Often. No, you're, you're right, I yeah. think. I love my coastal walks. I love my beach time in the summer. Like if you see me during summer, I become like 10 shades darker because I love tanning as well. What do you mean? You also, uh, when you were in lockdown um, for getting COVID, you were complaining to me every single day about not being able to go out. Isn't that true? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's yeah. great to see how both of you are so opposite, but it's good that you work well together as well. Um, so next question, at uni, obviously you're law school presidents and also students and outside of uni, you have your own lives. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things you like to do as like extracurriculars, hobbies? Um, instead of, I guess, hobbies that I've picked up or interests, um, recently I had a, well, recently I started up getting an obsession with Lego building, I guess. Um, I used to be really into reading, all that stuff, but something that I wanted to do this year is get something a bit more unique and different. And my parents used to build a lot of things like Lego and all that stuff. So they A, donated their old sets to me, and B, I started um, building a bunch of pre-made sets as well. Um, currently, I'm working on a special limited edition Harry Potter set, which Ooh. is actually what I'm named after. But uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, really? really obsessed with Harry Potter right wow. now. Yeah. That's so cute as Sorry, well. Really obsessed with Lego right now. <laughs> right, Harry, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, you're so much cooler than I am. <laughs> um, as for my hobbies, I think everyone knows this about me, but I spend like 80% of my time in the gym. I love weightlifting. So I think everyone knows this about me. Yeah. Um, no, I love weightlifting and I have recently started some of the combat sports. So I started off with boxing. I've now moved on to my latest obsessions, which are kickboxing and Muay Thai. Um, I don't know why, but boxing just gets 10 times more fun when you add in elbows and knees and kicks. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to lately. And like I said, 80% of my time in the gym, maybe like 10% of my time grocery shopping. I love grocery shopping. I don't know why. 
Um, but like Coles and Woolies, shout out to you. Like, please sponsor us because <laughs> can we get them to sponsor us? We can um, try. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, grocery shopping and the gym and like sports would pretty much sum me up. So yeah. not as cool as Harry, I would say. What do you mean? All I do is build Lego pieces all day. <laughs> I can really see Indoor, the like, outdoor. indoors, outdoors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool though, especially to get the aggression out when you're kickboxing. Yeah, it's not aggression. Right. Okay, you have okay. to be very patient right. and calm. Mm -hmm. um, Until you so. get in the ring and then start being the hell out of everyone. <laughs> no, actually, you have to be very, like, what I've learned, and I might delve into this later, mm -hmm. but with the combat sports, you have this idea that it's very aggressive, mm. um, you know, you need to unleash all of your anger out. But really, those who do well have that patience, have that calmness mm. to them because you really need to focus and concentrate. So oh, that's interesting quite the opposite know. of what yeah. people think. Interesting. So let's talk a bit about like your paths to presidency then. Um, so it's common for cabinet members in societies to hold various positions prior to their election. So what did you get involved with at LawSoc um, at an executive level and what were you responsible for? Um, so I guess what I, so firstly, what my roles were, I first started off as a careers director in an international portfolio. Um, after that, I was the international vice president, um, afterwards, which I was elected to the co-presidency role. Um, in terms of what I did as the careers director, I was mainly in charge of distributing, sharing, and finding any opportunities that students, law students at UNSW may have in terms of going overseas for their career or maybe taking secondments overseas, just really connecting overseas firms um, and opportunities with our students here. Um, in terms of the international portfolio and uh, what I did as part of my role as vice president, um, in addition to, I guess, that career element. And um, I was also in charge of, I guess, being a representative voice for the international law students that we have in the UNSW law community. Um, and that was also, a, I think, a really, really insightful opportunity where me as a domestic student, I was, I guess, in charge of um, helping a whole separate demographic that I might not commonly, I guess, talk to or um, meet. So that was a really good opportunity as well. I think very different to Harry. I was more involved with the social side of law society. So I started off as socials director before moving on to activities vice president and then co-presidency. So socials director was um, a role that I look back and I just smile thinking about it. It was so fun. I got to plan well, plan, not all of the events um, came to fruition thanks to COVID, but I got to plan um, you know, our pub crawls, all of our social events. I got to help with law camp, law ball. And of course, I reached out to Sydney University to create our very first collab event. So um, the Sulls and UNSW Law Society cruise. So that's something that I look back with just great memories. And then I moved on to activities vice president, which is a chaotic role. Um, so I was in charge of planning law camp, law ball, um, overseeing music, sports, law plus, which is our peer mentoring program, uh, as well as other various um, director roles. Um, to me, that was a role that I think I learned a lot about organization. I learned a lot about myself. Uh, and you're really dealing with multiple stakeholders. You're trying to make everyone um, internally 
happy, but also externally, externally finding out what students want, what events, what social events do students want to attend? Um, how can you make each event better? So yeah, that's another role that I really cherished um, before moving on to where we are now. So kind of obviously you've come from different areas of the law society. So what drew you to, I guess, the position of presidency in the first place? I'll start. I think I really enjoyed my past two years in UNSW Law Society. I've had such a great time. I've met most of my really close friends in, you know, from UNSW Law Society. And I really enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the management aspect of the role. So as vice president, I kind of got a little glimpse into what it's like managing a team, what it's like to organize so many things at once. Um, and to me, that was something that I really valued. And I feel like I personally and professionally grew um, in the past two years that I was um, in my roles at LawSoc. So I think naturally um, that made me really eager to then run for co-presidency. Um, and I'm very glad that I did because since running for co-president, um, I've learned a lot about myself as well. I've learned how to work alongside someone else in a partnership. I've never had this experience and it's a very unique partnership that you're working in. Um, and I remember at the beginning of the role when we were having meetings, I would still be using I, I, I. Whereas we slowly transitioned to we, Harry and I, um, and I think that's learned as an only child. Right. <laughs> as an only child, I've learned a lot about, okay, how does a partnership work? How do you consider other people? Um, and how do you play to both of your strengths um, to lead a team? So I think it's been an inval invaluable learning opportunity and no regrets. I think it's actually interesting you bring up that question because um, both Christina and I were in the same cabinet last year as vice presidents. And I remember um, actually having a phone call with Christina um, just before, I guess, nominations were open. And we were having this conversation just because um, I think what people underestimate is just how tiring I think being um, part of the cabinet is. Not only, I guess, are you running your own events, but you um, are responsible for, I think, a lot of different aspects, socials, careers, um, being representatives of the law students in general um, as part of, I guess, the cabinet. Um, and we were actually having a really long discussion whether or not um, it's worth another whole year of doing that all again. And I remember what actually stuck out in that conversation to me was just why did we, I think, join Cabinet in the first place? And that was because we are so passionate, I think, about student outcomes, about student opportunities. And I think um, with our interactions with so many amazing people that we've met, we really care about just elevating the student experience across, like, for everyone um, across UNSW Law. Um, and I guess moving into that position now, I'm so lucky that I am, I think, in a position where I am able to say yes um, to so many different opportunities um, to help, I guess, facilitate so many different programs, events, stuff like that, that um, I feel a lot of people are benefiting, sorry, benefiting from, which is really cool. That's really great to hear as well. And I think like, obviously you've put yourself in a position where you're helping a lot of other people, but in terms of personal growth, like how do you think being in the Law Society has helped develop that? I guess I'll start. Yeah. Uh, I would say that my growth has been seen in two main ways. 
firstly, how I conduct myself and how I guess I um, interact with other people. And secondly, how I, I guess, conduct myself as a person as well. So that more personal side of growth. Um, I think a lot of people join societies mainly for the social aspect. Um, people, I think what drew me in the first place to becoming a director was that idea of working as part of a team, working in a portfolio. And I would say that I definitely saw that in my time as a director. Um, my vice president at the time, Chelsea Wu, she's actually one of my best friends these days. We always grab coffee. Um, I'm actually really privileged enough to actually work with her now. So I get to see her a lot more. Exactly. Um, and I would say that my time in Law Society has definitely allowed me to learn how to build those really quality relationships with a whole variety of people. Um, I think coming from a very, I guess, different background where a lot of the people I interacted with um, come from, I guess, the traditionally white privileged um, background. Um, it was a really exciting time to really be able to break out of that bubble. And I think that's what Law Society really afforded me. In terms of personal development, um, I think Christina and I are on the same, uh, in the same book in saying that we are both type A personalities. I think we are very driven. We really take ownership um, and take, I guess, the initiatives that we run very personally. And I think something that was very difficult when we moved from the, I think, at least for me, when moving in from the director role into the vice president role, and even more so now into the president role, is that that need to actually relinquish some of that control um, from, I guess, being um, directly in-depth in terms of like planning every single bit of logistics, making sure that everything is running smoothly. Um, I think that was a, a really difficult thing for me to learn and I'm still learning. Um, but these days I've definitely learned how to delegate. I've definitely learned how to trust, I think, the people that I'm working with. Yeah. And I've actually discovered that um, I've learned how to, I guess, really take time into um, prioritizing a lot of different things rather than trying to spread myself to things and being on top of every little um, and micromanage a lot of different things as well. Definitely. And I think my personal growth stems from the fact that I've had to put myself in positions where I need to be uncomfortable with the result. So not everything will be done perfectly. And that is my biggest weakness. I am very over analytical. Um, and as Bianca Tolik, who is um, our private law VP now, she was my, um, a, she was my events director. And a f something that she always told me was that, Christina, you need to relax sometimes. <laughs> you need to relax sometimes. And also you need to be patient when you are working with other people. And that's one of the things that I love about Bianca. Um, and one of the things that I gained from my experience in LawSoc, I had people who I was working with tell me, you know, these are your strengths, but these are your weaknesses. And this is what I would suggest to improve them. And in my two years and now three years in Law Society, I've taken on board all of that feedback and I have seen all of that feedback really, I guess, make an impact and change the way that I present myself as a person, but also the way that I work in a team. So in a team now, I think I was a bit uncomfortable with the fact that you don't have control over every single thing that's happening on in the project that you're working in. And that is a very important skill because going into the workplace, when it comes to personal relationships, 
you won't have control over every single thing. And that's something that I've come to learn. Um, I'm also very critical of everything. So being in law society where you are once again put in positions where everything won't go according to plan at all times, particularly in my activities vice president role, there are a lot of things where you go to an event and everything could go wrong. <laughs> Especially with camp where it's a three-day event and you're in charge of 200 students and a further 26 leaders. So I think being put in those, those uncomfortable and challenging positions have done nothing but force me to actually cope with situations, learn to step back a bit sometimes, mm -hmm. um, and also has taught me a lot of patience. So to not kind of yeah. <laughs> jump in at every moment where I think something might be going wrong um, and to step back and watch an event for unfold mm. and then step in where necessary. Yeah, that's good. And I think um, both of your answers goes to show that like joining a society or especially a law society is more than just the social aspects. You do learn a lot of like soft skills and things along the way that you can take on for the rest of life, really. Um, so that's good insights there. So moving on to a topic shrouded a mystery, um, what exactly do the Law Society presidents do? <laughs> um, I think our role can be realistically split into two aspects. So firstly, um, how we are in charge of dealing with external relationships, that's um, dealing with faculty, um, with our sponsors, with any partners that we may have. Um, and so we are also in charge, I guess, the overall image that um, the UNSW Law Society has. The second aspect is, um, being in charge of how law society runs itself. Um, so in charge of the growth of its members, the growth of its community, and the growth of the events and um, opportunities that we do run. Um, so in terms of the first aspect, I think um, that, sorry, did you wanna maybe elaborate on that, Christina? In terms of dealing with externals, I think this might be the most challenging part of our role because you are almost, not seen as representatives of a society. You have to act and conduct yourself in a way that is really to that high professional standard that these external stakeholders expect. So we are really held accountable to everything, every single thing that the law society does. So when we run an event, if anything is run that's not to the satisfaction of one of our stakeholders, we're accountable for that. Um, and as, as you may know, as you may not know, um, Law Society has 100 and, 15. I always get this number wrong, 115 directors. So overseeing what each and every one of these directors do at every point in the, in the year, um, I think that, one, that might be the most challenging aspect. Once again, you can't be across everything at all times. So it's really making sure that our communication and our instructions are are given in a way that you are putting enough trust into your directors and your VPs, but also you are equipping them with the resources and the knowledge that they need um, to fulfill their roles. I would say as well, even though you can't be across all 115 um, directors and also every single cabinet member as well, um, I would say that if you create a machine that works, it kind of runs itself, right? So there is that aspect I think that I was quite surprised by um, is, I guess, the mentorship um, position that we also end up having um, mm -hmm. as co-presidents of the society. Yeah. 
I would guess a lot of the issues that do turn up, uh, both in terms of that directors face, that other vice presidents face, um, a lot of the time they actually come to us for guidance and advice. And I think that is probably one of the, the most exciting, I guess, opportunities that this position affords, where you are actually able to not only help the society run itself, but also get to train and I guess mentor these directors and these vice presidents um, with a lot of the problems that they face. And they will be growing from these, I guess, issues that they face as well. So both of you have mentioned like lots of challenges and uh, things that you face as presidents. What do you enjoy most about the role and the challenges that it brings? I think being able to lead a team is the most exciting and fun part of the role. You really are the two people that are responsible for setting the culture of law society for that year. And the society is really made up of the people who run it. So the culture, everything that comes from that is really dependent on the people as opposed to the structure of the society itself. So that to me, I think has been the most exciting, working on collaboration and really pushing the team mentality within our cabinet has personally been the most rewarding and fulfilling part of the role thus far because you are creating a community. You are almost controlling what this community is going to look like. Is it going to be extremely positive? Are you going to be focused on well-being? Are you creating a community where everyone feels comfortable enough to come to you when they have issues? And I think when you are in that process of, okay, this is what we want our community to look like and let's work towards that. And once you start seeing the results coming in where you have your vice presidents coming up to you and giving you feedback or your vice presidents coming up to you for advice on life and so on, um, to me, I think that's really rewarding. And you, those genuine connections, like I said, they, they last beyond the society itself. I know years to come, I'll still be really close with our cabinet and that just makes me so happy. And I think that definitely speaks to the reason why exactly why we joined or like yeah. decided to become co-presidents in the first place. And that is to ultimately help people. I think in this role, you get to see not only us helping the directors, the vice presidents grow, but you also get to see the actual impact that you had a hand in, um, in terms of all the other students um, as part of UNSW law. For example, um, after all the workshops that we provide for education, some students came up to me and said, that was actually a really, really helpful presentation. Um, stuff like that, that really, I guess, um, even though it might be challenging at some times, it definitely makes every single challenge worth it in the end. So it sounds like it's more, I guess, like tangible outcomes for both of you that you can yeah, see. Yeah, I think it's when, mm. it's when students are coming up to you yeah. and saying, like, I, I had this experience where I think at the end of year party, uh, I had a student come up to me who went to the first year camp that I organized and said, Christina, I had the most enjoyable time at camp and that's where I made all of my friends and I felt really comfortable in transitioning from high school to university. It was in that moment there and she later applied to be a camp leader. She got a camp leader this year. It was in that moment there that everything, I guess, became tangible. Yeah. It was a tangible result and it was truly so rewarding. I actually had a very similar experience last year as well where um, I received an email, um, I think from an international student. And in that email, she said that um, it was one of the first times that she actually ever felt, I guess, heard within the student community. 
really sweet. Yeah, it was really, really sweet. And I think that definitely, um, even though, again, being part of, I guess, such a big team um, comes with its challenges, but all those challenges, those pains um, points, they kind of fade away the moment that you mm. see the impact, the tangible impacts that you um, are making in the community. Yeah, that sounds amazing as well. So I guess, how can law students get involved with the society then from this point onwards to... Where know. do we begin? <laughs> <laughs> Getting involved, there's many different ways to get involved and it depends on you as a person. Um, so obviously in terms of a social side, if you love parties, if you love going out and if you love that really, I guess, extroverted social environment, um, you know, the, the law launch parties, mm -hmm. the camps, the law ball, law ball, I guess, is for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's um, for all years and all of our social portfolios, um, activities are for you. Mm -hmm. If of course you're someone who say you really aren't into social events at all, which is completely fine. Mm -hmm. Not all of us are. And I think as I'm getting older, <laughs> as I'm progressing through my degree, I obviously find those social events less attractive because yeah. now I'm considering my career mm -hmm. and moving forward and I want to have those intellectual conversations, for yeah, example. Yeah, it's like prioritizing time yeah, as well. Yeah, so I think Law Society really does have an event for you depending on what type of person you are and where you are in the stage of your degree. Uh, and if you are in that stage of your degree where you're considering your career, um, more seriously, then you might be looking at those private law career events or those public interest career events. Um, if you're someone who likes competitions, and I know people who are just crazy about mooting or negotiations or WIDEX and all of our other competitions. So you might be that type of person. And before I pass on to Harry to add on to what other events we have, what I do want to emphasize is you don't know if something's for you until you try it. So I didn't know I was going to like social events. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to like planning them until I went to a couple and I thought, hey, this isn't so bad. There's nice people here who I can have great conversations with, funny banter, all of that. Um, and you know, I, I tried negotiations competitions. I tried witness examinations and I, I was like, no, I, I hate it. This isn't for me. Um, and that's, that's very much fine. So I really encourage people to see all of the events that we have and attend some of them and try out some of them. I think what else makes uh, UNSW Law Society so unique is that we try to cater to um, the wider community and not just the people as part of our directors, part of our subcommittees, part of our exec team. But we really try to make every single event as accessible as possible, mm -hmm. as meaningful as possible, and as helpful as possible. And so I think, um, especially I think for first years, really take the time to try everything, um, get yourself involved, um, because this is probably one of the most rare opportunities that you've got to have time um, to really try as many things as you can. Um, I even pers have personal regrets that I didn't try enough skills. Um, I think yeah. I only did mooting and <laughs> negotiations. I really wish I did the whole suite yeah. um, because honestly, they look really, really exciting. And then you know what you like. Exactly. You it's actually interesting. So um, the mooting vice president last year, Jessie Xiao, uh, I ended up having a conversation with her about Open's mooting. Mm -hmm. And um, essentially she wanted more, um, she basically gave me the opportunity to um, moot 
in her words, how I wanted to. Um, so Jessie actually invited me to a opens um, mooting competition where me and my friend Isaac would actually moot with another team um, in through rap. Yeah, so that was going to be interesting. interesting. That was going to be interesting. That was going to be exciting. Unfortunately, um, it never ended up going through. But uh, I had a chat with um, Nicola, who is our meeting vice president this year. And she's very keen on getting that bringing running again. Back. Back, bringing that back. Have exactly. some Pop Smoke, Drake. A mooting rap battle. Exactly. That sounds good. A little bit of insights for anyone yeah. listening. That's good. Keep an eye out. Um, so yeah, I would say that the best way you can get involved with the society is really try to get involved with as many things as possible. Yeah. Um, that also actually benefits, I think, the people um, who attend those events because I think information is the best way you can equip yourself, the best way you can prepare yourself. Yeah. Um, attending those careers events from a very early age has, helps you start getting your thoughts in order. It starts getting you thinking about maybe what career that you want. And that in turn leads you to prepare yourself and study harder into various areas that you might want to practice in. Um, in terms of socials, the earlier you start, the easier it is to become friends with, I guess, yeah. a more a wider range of people. Instead of maybe relying on, I guess, classes later down the track, you are able to, I guess, involve yourself with the community um, a lot easier through that. And I might add, really what Law Society is about in any society is adding on to your university experience. So it's not just about academics and grades. If you are all about academia, like awesome, I wish I were you, uh, but it's for the average university student, I would say it's all about adding to your university experience. Meeting other law students in competitions or at social events or at a careers event and that to me makes that university experience more fulfilling and really unique because adding these events to your university week, I think makes it a little bit different. You're not just coming in for your classes and leaving. And I think at the point where you are just coming for your classes and leaving, that's fine. But to you're going to be here for five years. <laughs> Uh, I think it would be good to have friends in your class that you recognize from going to a law society event. Um, even to, I know I have older friends who have graduated and going to them for life advice, for support, even if they don't give me anything and they just tell me, hey, Christina, it's okay. You're going to be fine when you graduate. Stuff like that really does make that university experience more fulfilling. Yeah, and it's more so like a safety net as well. Yeah, yeah, so I think that's what Law Society is mainly about, adding on to your university experience. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think it also helps with resilience as well. Um, I think when you, I guess, don't put your all your eggs in one basket, put your time in, for example, building relationships, building a network, building friends, building your academics as well. They all complement together to create a really good university experience. For example, if you don't get the job that you want, if you don't get the grades that you want, at least you have that other element on the side as well. Yeah. Let's say, for example, um, you don't necessarily uh, have a good time on a night out or something like that. You always have, for example, those other pillars to fall back on as well. Um, I think it really helps with resilience. Um, it helps you get through that tough, those tough times when you have a community um, and you are, I guess, being fulfilled by all the extra events and um, opportunities um, that you participate in. 
Okay, so speaking of like not putting your eggs all in one basket, I know a lot of law students, they get themselves involved in activities, they go to social events and they do this and they do that. They sometimes also work on the side. So what is your advice on like creating work-life balance or just like balancing your time and finding priorities? I think what you just said, priorities is everything. If you prioritise something, you will find time for it. For me, as I mentioned, my physical exercise is very much my priority. I know that if I get my physical exercise in, I'm in a great mood for the rest of the day. So, and I recently started working and of course I have university. So my time is slowly getting limited, um, but in that I know my where my priorities lie. And so I have to schedule my week so that I do prioritize those things that are most important to me. So I, in my head, have a little pyramid diagram of, at the bottom, what is the most valuable thing to me this week? It might be preparing my meals, sorting out my nutrition. Uh, it might be getting all of my readings done that week. At the bottom is kind of my core priorities for the week. And then as you go um, up the pyramid, I have those things that I do prioritize, but maybe not as much as these other priorities. So what I do is I love Google Calendar and I schedule my week in advance so that I do slot in the times of, for example, gym, um, grocery shopping, readings, what else is it? Work uh, and of course uni. So I will try to make sure that I slot in everything and sometimes you won't be able to achieve a perfect balance. In fact, most of the time you will not be able to achieve a perfect balance. You have to really think about what your values are, what your priorities are and without prejudice. So don't think about what does society tell me or what does Christina tell me is important, okay? Because that really doesn't matter. It's what are your personal values and priorities? And so you go according to that. Uh, I think you will find time for everything that you truly value. Um, but on the point of perfect balance, you won't achieve perfect balance. <laughs> uh, you will have to sacrifice some things. I would not recommend sacrificing sleep for any of those. Sleep is very important. Uh, for me, sometimes I will have to let go of those social activities on the weekend. I won't be staying out as, as late as I would want to or as my friends would want to. Sometimes I'm just not going out <laughs> for weeks on end, but that makes me happy because I'm fulfilling my other priorities. Um, so yeah, so I will just have my Google Calendar open, I'll have my diary open and I'll be slotting in those really important things throughout the week and looking at what I might have to sacrifice or it might even be a case of cutting back on things that you typically do. So it might be that example of, I can still go out, but say instead of going out Friday and Saturday, I'm just going out on the Friday once a fortnight. So it's all about, I think, making adjustments to accommodate your goals. Um, and the only thing I would actually just add in on top of things is, I guess, being selective exactly what you want to prioritize or get involved in as well. Um, I think this is always a really interesting or funny question when people ask me for advice on how to time manage things. Um, because personally, I don't think I'm actually the best at 
I guess, saying no to opportunities or um, managing my time on a, I guess, a paper level that well. I think there was a, a time period in my life where I was literally working four days a week on top of uni work. Um, I also had a research gig that was literally working like three hours a night on as well. On top of that, I think I was part of three societies at one point on, on the side as well, um, all the juggling, all those commitments. But I would say that what made me able to go through that and what, um, sorry, what gave me the resilience to just juggle everything is that at the end of the day, I didn't feel like I was juggling a lot at all. Because when you enjoy and are passionate about the things you do, they can become actually um, what gives you energy to go through a day. Um, you might be surprised actually how much time you are able to have in a day. When you cut off, let's say for example, eight hours, you still have 16 hours left in a day. Let's say you have work that day, that's probably gonna take eight hours. So you have another eight hours to exactly divide however you wish. You might spend, for example, two hours catching up with friends for dinner. You might spend two hours studying. Um, as I mentioned, I also have spent three hours on a side gig as well. If you are genuinely passionate about those things, don't, those don't end up becoming work, but they end up becoming fulfilling and you get a lot of energy out of that. So I would say um, in terms of juggling things and fitting everything in, don't try to shove in as many opportunities or roles as possible just for the sake of doing that. Yeah. Be very selective about what you're putting your time and energy to. Because at the end of the day, if you don't feel a fulfillment out of it, then that I would say is pretty yeah. unfortunate and a bit yeah. of a waste of time as well and your energy. Yeah, so it's more so just about finding what you're passionate about. And I guess this ties back into what we talked about before, just try as many things in uni as possible. So both of you kind of touched on this, but in terms of, I guess, like you're, you spoke a lot about what you personally want to do and your personal priorities. How do you, I guess, do that without prejudice, as you mentioned, Christina, and like kind of ignore what society expects you or what your parents or friends and things like that? This is a big question. <laughs> Something that I got told recently that doesn't really need telling is that at the end of the day, no one cares about the little things that you stress over. What pair of shoes you're wearing that day to uni? No one's, no one cares. <laughs> as harsh as it sounds, as it sounds, really the only person who pays as much attention and judgment yeah. to your decisions is yourself. Yeah. Everyone else is living their own lives if they, if they aren't, they should. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it really is you who will be facing the consequences of your decisions. So if you spend an extra hour a day putting in that time for yourself, you might be going to yoga, kickboxing, whatever it might be that is that little bit of energy boosting activity for yourself, okay? It might even be watching Netflix. If you do that for yourself, guess who's going to benefit from the effects of doing that activity? Yourself, right? It doesn't matter what your parents think. It doesn't matter what other students think. At the end of the day, you will be facing the consequences of every decision that you make, whether it be good or bad. So I think coming to terms and being comfortable with who you are is really important. So, and, and really it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, I think it, it 
it's a lot of put it's putting a lot of pressure on yourself if you're constantly thinking what are other people thinking of me do people think i'm insane because i do xyz right that really shouldn't matter because if it makes you feel happy and if it's something that you genuinely want to do you don't need things like you don't need to rely on motivation or anything at all anything glamorous or external to do something as harry said if you genuinely like something and that's typically by being true to yourself then you will have no problems with um you know doing what you do so it's very i do get it it's very easy to succumb to peer pressure or to think i should get this job because everyone else tells me to get this job i get it and i am speaking as someone who was in that position a year ago but i stuck to my guns i said that isn't what i want that might be what everyone around me wants but that's not personally what i want um so i'm very much someone who has learned from you know i, I was typically a, pe- a people pleaser as well yeah I've, I've learned from that and ever since kind of sticking to my roots i've had nothing but personal growth and I, i'm purely I'm, I'm truly happy with the decisions that I've made. So that's my piece of advice. Uh, the only caveat I would say to that question would be, I guess we as members of the society as well as, I guess, people who have a lot of, um, I guess, impact in terms of what the community looks like, the culture of the community, um, we might have a part to play in that, I guess, um, in that as well. I think that something that uh, has been very seen in the past couple of years is, I guess, um, a very homogenous, um, expect, sorry, an expectation that everyone kind of goes down that same path, mm-hmm. that everyone gets a clerkship, that everyone gets extremely high grades, that everyone becomes like a corporate lawyer. I think it's very difficult for, for people to get away from that, I guess, narrative that kind of gets shoved in your face at times. And I think we as presidents have been really trying to, I guess, help change that. I think we've really tried to diversify, for example, careers. We've really tried to diversify um, access to resources, um, stories about people who never went down that path, um, really creating a culture that is more accepting of people who might not even be interested, as Christina said, Mm -hmm. in what everyone else wants to do. Um, And so I think we have, I guess, some responsibility in that as well sometimes. Yeah. Creating that culture of, you know, Mm. what is deemed as socially acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, Because at the end of the day, what is socially acceptable is so arbitrary. It's it's just what you make of it. It's what the people around you might think. Um, But it really doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And so we, we want to make sure that you are supported so that you do have resources at hand. But if you don't want to use those resources, or if you say, hey, this isn't for me, I'm gonna go to another society. That is, that's actually great. We're really happy for you if you come to that realization because it means you're really staying true to yourself and you're using what's available and then making your own decisions based on that. Yeah. So basically to any listeners, live like the main character. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly that. Yes. All right, so very last question for today. Um, obviously, both of you have spoken so much about what you've learned over the years and things like that. So taking, or I guess consolidating all of that, what advice would you give to your first year self in terms of both in law school and just as a person? Great question. <laughs> I would say, I would say to my first year self to not focus 
to not focus so much on the outcome, but work on the habits, the discipline of the little actions that I can do each day to eventually reach that outcome. So for example, looking at what healthy habits can I implement to reach my end desired goal? And I think when I was in my first year, I was very much blinded by this idea that I need to have a goal at the end of my five years of university that had to be career related, right? So I spent, I wasted quite honestly, two, three years of my life thinking that, okay, this is my goal. Not even thinking about, is this really my goal? (laughs) Is this what society is telling me my goal is? And I, I didn't focus on building the healthy habits that would eventually get to that goal. So, you know, things like being productive, setting, setting a routine, getting a routine in place, um, you know, building discipline for doing anything, right? Um, so that is something that I think I would tell my first yourself, but I would also tell that to me today. And it's to just focus on doing little steps every single day to reach that desired end goal of myself. Uh, but further to that, making sure that I have goals that aren't just career related. I should have goals that relate to my personal growth. Um, you know, how I am as a friend. Can I be a better friend? Can I be a better daughter? Can I be a better co-president? All of these little things I think are much more important and make you a person. (laughs) They really do make you a person. And I think just having career goals as I did in my first year um, was probably something that I would advise against. For me, I would probably say prioritize myself and prioritize my mental health a bit more. Um, I think for a lot of first years when they first start, um, they kind of are flurried into um, a whirlwind of new things. Mm. Um, the need to make as many friends as possible, the need to find a job, the need to get really, really good grades. Um, and I think those, again, stem back to the previous question of social expectations. Yeah, social pressure. Social pressures, making sure that um, your family, your other friends um, are proud of you or impressed by you. I think um, that also speaks, I guess, to the type of people who study law in the first place. They're often those type A high achievers. And often those type of people are the people who are very motivated by competition, by, I guess, themselves as well. And so the best piece of advice for myself and I guess other people, especially first years, is to prioritize actually um, your mental health, you yourself, and that it's actually okay to be patient. Um, You have five years, in fact, in my case, six years by (laughs) now. (laughs) Um, You have a lot of time to try many different things. You don't Mm. necessarily need to get um, an HD WAM in your first course. You don't necessarily need to get that paralegal job within the first month of studying law. Those are all, again, arbitrary factors of success. Those are arbitrary goals that you might have that don't necessarily, um, I guess, help you and your mental health. So think about exactly what you want and prioritize that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, will a paralegal role really make you happy? No. (laughs) Solve all of your answers? (laughs) If if it does for you, then that's great. You've found your thing. Mm -hmm. But if it's 
not going to make you particularly happy or it's just going to be a burden on you, um, then you might want to rethink about what you really want. Yeah. I think it's also important um, to know that making mistakes is okay. And sometimes, yeah, Yeah. things don't turn out the way they do. So, yeah, in fact, I wish I made more mistakes Mm. for sure when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So thank you so much to the both of you for joining us today. Obviously, you've given in lots of insights, no pun intended, um, to just what you guys do in general and also ways to get involved. So definitely to the listeners to get involved. Thank you for listening to Insights by UNSW Law Society. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes.